Hello. Hello. Salam and good evening to you, worthy friend. Please, please come closer. Uh, too close, a little too close. Welcome to another edition of the Disney Brit Radio Show here on Orlando Sky Radio. And I know I normally say live on Orlando Sky Radio, but on this occasion, we're not live. We've had to pre-record, all for very different reasons. But you'd be pleased to know we're back, because two weeks ago we weren't here and we had a lot going on and basically it ended up that we just never got round to recording one. So I'm sorry, but we are back after what is nearly a four-week break. Um, joining us as always, Alan. Hello, Alan. You all right, Adam? How are you doing? I'm not too bad, thank you very much. You had a good but- couple of weeks? Yes and no, I've been working in the garden, my back is killing me, and yes. I didn't get to podcast this week. I did notice that you um, have built a small version of Rapunzel's Tower in yes. your garden. <laughs> it's so I can lock my daughter in there, so when she gets to 18, no lads will bother her. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> uh, and uh, we've got no just tonight, but we have got uh, a, a more than reputable stand-in, somebody who... Uh, those of you who've listened to the show for years will know very, very well, and it is our good old friend, Craig Duncan. Hi, Dunks. Uh, good evening. You're listening to the Craig Duncan Soul Show here you're on Orlando not. Sky Radio. No, you're not listening to that. That's oh. later. Is, is was, no, that's, okay. that was Sunday. Oh, I don't oh. know. Um, oh, I'm so confused. <laughs> it's the only time I'm ever in front of the mic. I don't yeah. get to do this That anymore. is actually very true. You're not in front of the mic very often anymore, are you? So, uh, no. But uh, no, we've got Dunks back with us, and we brought Dunks back for a reason, because um, we're going to be talking about Disney tech today, and Disney tech in the parks, and it's something that Craig has used quite a lot recently, and something that we haven't really sort of used at all. Um, so we brought Craig in to, uh, to talk a little bit about Disney tech, and kind of um, how, how much of a difference it's kind of made to him in the parks, whether it's made a difference to other people as well, uh, and also... Um, we're going to be continuing with our Mouse versus Food, where we bring you the final course of the meal we cooked all that time ago in Alan's holiday home. Uh, and we're, we're looking at um, chocolate souffles from Paolo um, on the Disney Cruise Line. So that's what we're going to be listening to this evening. So uh, before we start, we had an email. We've had an email um, from one of our listeners that says, Hey guys, it's my birthday coming up and I want a book uh, about celebration. I was wondering which one you'd suggest. Now, I did a little bit of research. I don't know whether anybody's managed to find anything on, with regards to it. Oh, go on. Yeah, Craig's actually got to get it. Hey, incidentally, I'm just I'm just reading this bit that you put into the uh, notes here. Yeah. And I'm researching this, and it's I'm researching something totally different because what I've what I read off these notes is hey guys, book a birthday celebration. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey I guys, it's my birthday coming up. I want to book a celebration. Yeah, I, I yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I did until like, until he's read it out now, and I think, okay, I've read that wrong. I've got I've got the book here. You've got it there, right? And is it possibly the same one I found on Amazon? I don't know, I think only one exists. Go on, what Celebration USA: Living in Disney's Brave New Town. Nope. Oh, what have mine you got is there, called 
that mine is called Celebration, the yeah. Story of a Town by Michael Lassell. And I'll tell you about this book. This is a book that Juz wanted ages ago. Yeah. And it was, it's got, uh, what's the sticker price? I'm just trying to find opening up. Uh, US $50, right? Yeah. And there was a, there's a site called Overstock. Have you come across that before? Yeah, I have heard Overstock.com. of it. $6 for the book. I bought, I bought him one and me one. Well, so hard, um, hardback book. It's beautiful. I've just found the one you're talking about. Yeah, it's called Celebration, the Story of a Town. It's available on Amazon, uh, new as a hardcover, for £28.58 or used for £9.54. There we go. Yeah, just do um, a web search for it. Because I say I got it for $6. Yeah, and I've, I've just found it on Amazon just by searching for that as well. So Celebration, it's called Celebration, the Story of a Town. There's one. And the other one that I managed to discover was Celebration USA, Living in Disney's Brave New Town, which is by Douglas France and Catherine Collins. That's available on Amazon and is currently £11.5p. So there's two examples there. Uh, I know it comes as a Kindle, but you can't buy the Kindle version off Amazon in the UK. So I think you can only get it in the US. And the person to give the best example is obviously Juz. Of course, yes, exactly. I know, and this is the question that we'd written for when Juz would have been here two weeks ago, and then he wasn't. But there we go. There's two books there you could uh, you could look at investing in. But uh, they both sound very, very different because uh, sound very different, very good because um, obviously Celebration was such a massive kind of experiment in a way, wasn't it? Um, so yeah, there we go. So there's two books there you can go and take a look at. So make sure you go and do that. Right. Um, Dunks, you're back off to Florida again soon, aren't you? Uh, end of July. Yeah. End of July, yeah. End of July. Listen to me. We'll only be back about three weeks. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a very, very quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk to Dunks about Disney tech and just how that might have made a little bit of difference to his trips in the parks. Hi everyone, this is Craig Duncan. Please come and join me for my soul show every Sunday at 9 o'clock UK, 4pm Eastern. You'll only find me on Orlando Sky Radio. Come by and say hi. You are listening to the Disney Brit Radio Show, live on Orlando Sky Radio. Howdy folks. Please keep your hands and arms inside the train and remain seated at all times. Now then, hang on to them hats and glasses, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. Right then, Dunks. Let's talk a little bit about this tech, shall we? Okay. Um, why are we talking about seatbelts via Skype? I love that. Seatbelts go from left to right and left to right only. Oh, I've got to say that that is one of my favourite adverts that you've been playing. The um, Howdy. Thunder Mountain. The Thunder Mountain one. I do like the Thunder Mountain. I think it's something about the sort of the Wild West music at the back end of it as well. It's With the Buffalo of... Bill stuff. Yes. Yeah, I quite I, like that one. As well. th- there was a reason why I mentioned that about seatbelts. With all this Disney tech you're going about, yeah. do you not think that they could standardise the seatbelt arrangement? Some of them are left to right, some of them are right to left. Yeah, it's very confusing. <laughs> it's a very fair point. Yeah, maybe they should. Maybe they should start doing that. But we are talking about Disney tech anyway, and whether or not it's to do with how we click seatbelts in and how we don't. One of the massive things that seems to have really changed over the past sort of six, eight months or so is Disney's introduction of tech in the parks. And certainly since the introduction of Wi-Fi into the parks, it seems to have made a huge, huge difference in... Not necessarily for US, I don't think, because they've always had that sort of connectivity with with, um, sort of 3G and all that sort of internet use. But certainly for us in the UK... 
you know, I've had a phone that's basically, when I've taken it to a park, has been a bit of a brick because I've not wanted to spend a small fortune on um, all of the, the, the sort of data roaming charges. But since the introduction of Wi-Fi, it seems to have made a massive, massive difference. And I want to sort of talk through, particularly with you, Dunks, um, sort of how much of a difference it has made with you with regards to uh, using tech in the parks and whether it's sort of changed the way that you, you view or visit the parks. Okay. Yeah, it has. Good. Okay, we'll move on. Uh, no, so, <laughs> but I know you've certainly done things with us recently, uh, which we've not done before. Well, I mean, let's uh, let's kind of first of all let's kind of work out, work out what it's done. So the main thing you're talking about now is the Wi-Fi, which has gone now across all the parks and, and made the, all the resorts that I went via. Yeah, it was working. So you take your your phone. I've got an iPhone. You take it there. And now, what happens to me now is when I leave my house. Uh, in Florida, I turn data off mm-hmm. uh, and it stays off until I get back home again. So, you know, I used to be doing, I don't know, 90, maybe 100 meg a day of data. Now I'm down to kind of five when I'm over there. Because as soon as you get into the parking lot of the park, you can pick up Disney hyphen guest, which is the, the SSID for the Wi Fi network. Yeah. Now, what you have to do is it brings up a web page. You just have to tap an accept button and it remembers so whatever t- whatever you come up with disney guest doesn't matter what park you're in you don't have to re-sign in and there's not a big signing process it's just click okay accept right and does it automatically find you every time you it do does that, right? automatically finds it every time comes up bang now what now what i will say about it is there's there's two there's a good thing and a bad thing the good thing is it is blisteringly fast i have never used internet as fast as that i remember the first time i started to use it i sat when the bakery god rest its soul was still open in in Magic Kingdom and I'd taken about 30 photographs during the day uh, and I had iPhoto on my iPhone and I uploaded them to Facebook and it literally took about 20 seconds it just went so fast I've never seen it so fast so that's really good the bad thing about it is um, if you're not using it all the time and then you kind of press the top button on your phone and put it away when you go to get your phone out again you've got to kind of refresh the screen for it to pick up so it doesn't keep you connected the whole time. Right. Uh, obviously, I know why it does that, but just to rest assured, you have to think, keep going back in, dropping down your, you know, you're redoing your Facebook, you know, mm. newsfeed or, or click email or whatever, and it will automatically pick it up again, but it doesn't keep you connected. And two reasons for that is, A, it stops the drain on the battery, yeah. but B, there's obviously only so many IP addresses they can give out. So as soon as you're not active, they'll drop you off so that somebody else can take that IP address and, and, you know, you can go on. I've never had a problem getting on it. I've never had a problem finding it. I've never had a problem losing the signal. I mean, it even works as we'll come to one of the things that I did when I was there on the ride. So in Space Mountain, for example, it works all through the queue. It works all getting onto the ride and everything. And I can remember talking to Kez uh, whilst I was going on thunder mountain and she said oh, i haven't been you know i was chatting with her on skype on it yeah. using their wi-fi yeah uh, i haven't i haven't seen this ride in ages I said oh well you stream it to you and it worked the whole ride perfectly well the whole thing you streamed not a problem at all so there's a lot more interaction you can do with it but kind of i think for people coming from the uk it's things like you know facebook and twitter taking photographs and sharing those uh, it's ideal now the other thing that you can do with it which i've done as well uh and matt Cloud who listens to the show will know I've called people on Skype mm. using their Wi-Fi mm. now I've got you know you have to put money on your Skype account if I have rung his mobile number but I still use Skype and it was a lot cheaper than using my phone to ring another mobile so that's kind of the three things you would use the Wi-Fi for I think Facebook Twitter well four things Facebook Twitter uploading photographs yeah. and using Skype to call people because- or whatever 
app you use? If you've got people who've got uh, iPhones, as we all have, uh, one of the things you set up was a, oh, yes. um, was a photo stream. Yeah, I didn't know about this until halfway through. It would have been much easier than emailing stuff. But yeah. this, um, so uh, basically what Doug's did was, was set up a... He basically shared an album where every time he took a photo, it uploaded it to the photo stream via Wi-Fi. So as he was on his little vacation, we were vicariously living it through all the photos he was sending. Um, so we've got you know photos of, of his wife and Kieran trying to eat the largest pizza you've ever seen in your life. You know, and it, it was even things like you know if you'd have seen something in the parks, so he thought, oh, that's an update. I'll send them a photo. Um, so we got all sorts of things from Flower and Garden Festival and everything from you as you were going round. Yeah, I mean, that was very good. I mean, that, to be fair, that was a, a an error on my part because I should have thought of that before. So obviously I was going around and I see things that I know you guys would love. Yeah. So I was taking photographs and for Jazz for Orlando Sky Radio and I'd email them. I'd mm. just put them in an email and, and they'd get sent over. And it worked fine and, you know, it was all free. And then I was thinking, I was putting pictures into, I had a photo stream I shared with Alex and a few people see that. And then I was getting comments on when I automatically put them in. I thought, well, why don't I do this for you guys? Yeah. And that's when I was in Fantasyland and we were, I was talking about all the storybook treats and big top souvenirs. And that's when I started doing it. And it was so much easier, you know, just send it to the photo stream. And I, easy because it just works in the background. I'm not sitting there yeah. waiting for the email to send. So that was really, really good. So again, if you're away with your, your friends, you know, you share a photo stream with them. And the other thing to, to bear in mind that I found out uh, and I don't want to get overly technical, but your own photo stream is obviously limited to a thousand photographs. Mm. Uh, the photo streams that you create are unlimited storage and unlimited number of photographs. You just open another one, basically. As yeah. you're going no, they're just they're, ju- they're just they're just massive. So okay. what I tend to do now is I have I started a new photo stream called iPhone Photos. Yeah, I take a picture, I send it to that. I can delete it off my iPhone to save space. Yeah, good idea. Very good idea. But it, was, it made a massive difference. It meant that we were getting all these things through from you. It wasn't costing you anything to send them. It wasn't costing anything for us to receive them. It was all done, you know, just like that. Literally, there was no email having to download it to this and do this and do this. It was all just there. And then all we need to do is plug the iPhone into the computer, upload the photos, and away you go, which made a massive difference. Now, did you find that you were adding more photos onto Facebook and things like that because you had the free Wi-Fi? Yeah, what I did is I, I normally when I take pictures, uh, I take them with my camera on the iPhone and I put a few up on Facebook or a few on Twitter. But when I get home, I normally will put them into the album that I put up. But what I actually did is I created a new album this time, um, HDR photos. Yeah from iphone and just every time i took something good it just went straight up there and it was really really good and there were things that you were take you would take because you know the camera's away you've got to take it out i've got to make sure i've got the right lens or filter on it it's all Mm. a bit of a faff but the iphone hdr pictures are brilliant take it out click bang job done so i did take a lot more adam yeah took a lot lot more it certainly sent us, us through a lot, lot more than you have done in the past, which, you know, I'm not complaining about. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Um, so we've talked about Facebook, you know, Twitter, obviously, things like that. Now, we've got the Disney app as well. Now, one of the things we've always sort of complained about in the past, how Disney have come up with these wonderful apps that we just haven't been able to use. Um, because, again, they use Wi-Fi. We've got no idea. Um, so did you find you use the Disney app much? I did. I mean, my Disney experience is, is the app. And I did it's use brilliant. it for... Uh, booking restaurants which I always tend to do and naughtily booking a restaurant for somewhere I had no intention of going but I could then if I was ever challenged going into the contemporary car park I could say I've got dinner at the wave <laughs> and then what I would do is as soon as I got on their Wi-Fi I would cancel the reservation whilst walking to the park down yeah. the pathway um, I didn't use the app much in the park so 
um, and that's maybe uh, just because of my familiarity with the park. Yeah. I didn't use the app much whilst in there. Uh, and I tend to kind of always go in and grab a couple of maps just because I like to keep one and I have one in my pocket. And if I wanted to look up a time or something, I would use the piece of paper. So yeah. I didn't use those. But what I did use a lot more, and I know you'll probably come on to these, is touring plans. Yeah, we'll definitely um, go on to that in a bit. I mean, because I just that to me, I trust that a lot more. So I, I I use that a lot more than the Disney Experience for more than what you think you can use it for, which was quite interesting. Because I've got the Disney my Disney Experience app open at the moment. Now it's got limited use where I am right now because I'm not in the park, so I can't get up to date wait times. But I can get things like the the guide map. I can bring up uh, a full uh, times guide for the entire day, so I know that right now, um, you know, we've got. Uh, loads of stuff going on including meet merida we've got um some of the uh, royal majesty's makers are going on then it tells me it's 16 minutes until dapper dan's or casey's corner um and then what it does is it can give me uh wait times for a lot of the attractions as well which i have to be signed in for I'm not at the moment but the, the biggest thing for me uh, that i think is brilliant about this is dining um so i'm just looking now uh, i've decided i want to book somewhere in um let's say epcot for later on today so i go into more i go into dining i go into search by location obviously it can't give me the exact location i'm in now because there isn't anything near me i click on epcot and then i can go may 19th dinner party size um three because i've decided to take harry this time um and i just click next and this is why i'm walking around the park using their wi-fi you know i haven't booked anything i want something a little bit different rather than having to spend time ringing up and speaking to them over the phone i can just do all of this via the internet so there we go i have got um options beer garden hacienda monsieur paul nine dragons rose and crown at 4 30 uh, i've got tokyo dining available as well so then all i do is like, let's say i'm gonna go to rose and crown it then loads that page for rose and crown and takes me in and i can basically book all of that and set yep. it all up and it's done while I'm walking and around. And then the it will set the, the other thing that it would do, Adam, if you and I were there together uh, and I was walking around and we'd kind of said we'd split up for a couple of hours and we'll meet back, I could have made a reservation at the Annapoli, which I probably would have done. Yeah. I could share that on my plan. Yeah. You would have access to my plan. It would come up, Craig's booked the Annapoli at yeah. 12.30. You yeah. could then book the same, same and we could meet exactly. up. Yeah, because you got the My Plan section, which I can't yes. log into at the moment. But it's just amazing. And the difference this makes um, with regards to the stuff that you can book and everything is just untrue. Alan, you're very quiet. I am, um, mainly because whenever I've been there, I've, I'm, I'm the person that turns off the phone. And personally, I like not having my phone around. Okay. Because I like the idea of being totally separated from the world and being... Sort of just there with with my family and not getting the distractions of people back home. Well, I can kind of agree with that. I mean, I was quite disappointed when I was on the plane. Plane, plane, plane. We flew Virgin this time, and they've got uh, yeah. roaming on the plane now, oh, so okay. you can sit there talking. I think I couldn't think of anything worse. I'm on the plane. Yeah, on the plane. Yeah, on the plane watching a film. Yeah. So we kind of I avoided that. Uh, but what I did find though, wow, with I mean, I did I do keep my phone on just for work reasons really more than anything but not having the data on and having wi-fi on the battery lasted a hell of a lot longer mm-hmm. oh yeah i can imagine especially with if you've got an iphone 5 yeah uh, the it, battery and that's horrendous anyway when i was there last time the plan was i was going to leave my phone at home and i got to the airport in newcastle and i put a magazine in my bag and there was my phone i was like oh great i should have left that in the house took it to florida I didn't use it in the hotel. I could have used it for the free Wi-Fi that we did have. And I had it turned off all the time. And um, then lost my bag on the bus. Ah. Now, 
I dare say if I'd turned it on and had Wi-Fi access, would there have been a chance that I could have traced my phone and find it where it was quicker? I did find it in the end. Mm, yeah, you would have done. Yeah, you would have yeah. used five of my friends, wouldn't you? Found it. Off, yeah. Whatever. Could have found it. Yeah. In, in, in the end, I just went to the last probably three days in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Never found it. <laughs> no, no, it did turn up on the third day. And it's uh, it's quite a good system, actually, they've got going on for the lost property, so... Bit of tech there. Well, yeah, that's, that's lucky. <laughs> High tech, they write it on the post-it note and um, ask you what you've got in your bag. Now, the big question to sort of uh, to talk about here, and I know some people are going to want to know this question, is with the introduction of Wi-Fi and the ability to use the internet and that sort of stuff for free in the parks, and being able to use things like FaceTime, uh, Skype, those sort of things, is this going to stop people from buying a US mobile if they're going out there for two weeks because one of the things I found was that I bought it so I could text people and I could do this whereas if I'm in a park I know you've got an iPhone I've got an iPhone and I say what are you doing we're such and such we can send an iMessage it's free and it's done do you think that will make a massive difference to people uh, well I don't think American mobiles are that expensive are they so it depends no, no. On, on peace of mind so you can get a track phone for 10 bucks and you know 10 bucks worth of credit will probably see you through the two weeks so it's peace of mind sort of thing I mean it means you don't have to carry two and it means you are contactable and it means you know it still rings and people can get hold of you so it might do Adam it might do. I'm thinking about this from my point of view that I used it mostly to text well it was you guys actually to text to find out where you were Whereas mm. if I didn't buy the phone and I didn't buy the credit and I had to send the odd text message, um, yeah, true. it's probably going to work out cheaper, I would think. It was true. I mean, we still had one because we've only got one iPhone, although Debs did take her iPhone into the park, but yeah. actually we didn't use it to iMessage. She would just use the American yeah, yeah. phone and text me that way. I mean, we could have done that, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. um, It also depends how many times you ring back home to speak to your family. For, for example, your mum or dad, or my mum and dad, for example. My mum and dad hasn't even got a mobile phone. <laughs> they, they had one and they turned it off for two or three years, and that was basically how they thought it would be used. <laughs> so if you buy the 10, 10 bucks phone over there, you've got a lot of credits ring back home, yeah. and it's it's sort of ridiculously cheap for America to the UK, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, from my point of view, I very rarely ring my parents. We usually FaceTime because they live in Spain. So... From that point of view, I, I would still ring them in the same way as I normally would. And my in-laws have also got iPhones, so we'd probably also FaceTime them. So, for me, mm. I know, I'm telling you, they're all posh. They don't know how to use them, they've just got the phones. Um, Very modern family. My father-in-law just knows that when it pings, there's a football score coming up. He doesn't know how to use it. Um, <laughs> luckily, he doesn't listen to the show. Um, so, um, I don't know whether I'd bother with the mobile next time. I don't know. It might be a mistake, but it'd be interesting to hear what people's opinions are, whether they sort of would or wouldn't with regards to the sort of Wi-Fi that's coming in. Uh, but you've also, you've already mentioned, Craig, uh, touring plans very, very briefly, because yep. one of the things we've talked about with touring plans is how brilliant it is, and it can tell you this, and it can tell you that, and it can tell you the other, and they've got the app, the lines up, and all that sort of stuff. And we were saying, yes, it's great, yeah, touring plans is brilliant, but there is a limit to what we can use it for because we don't have the internet access. Now, again, that's altered. So, have you found that's made a difference? Yeah, I used it every time, every park, every time. And it wasn't just for checking the times, which we know are accurate and more accurate than Disney. It was things like, oh, is the attraction open? It yeah. was more accurate than my Disney experience. Space Mountain went down when we were there uh, and it came back up again on lines. And I went over there and checked my Disney experience and it's still saying closed even after we've ridden it again. The other thing I liked about 
uh, touring plans, which I didn't know it had until I was talking to Len actually and found out about it, mm. is if you want something to eat that you fancy, Debs, for example, wanted an apple turnover and the bakery where we normally get them from didn't have any because um, Main Street Bakery was closed. You can search within the app now, Touring Plans app, for a dining item and it will tell you where you can find that item in the parks. Ooh, that's cool. So I want a, you know, pineapple ice cream and it will tell you where you can get it from and we typed in apple turnover and it told us where we could get them from and it was very very accurate you had absolutely that's everything on there so that's a really cool thing if you've got kids oh, I want my nuggets. you promised me nuggets well we know we're near where the nuggets are well I want nuggets and bang 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 there you go free over there now you just said um, that it's more accurate than the Disney experience app yeah different times they have completely different times the disney experience app seems to have the times which are posted right okay okay. now we kind of understand that those times are posted and they're not changed and they're not accurate yeah whereas the line stuff is all done by statistics and research and so on and is more accurate and it's obviously done in minutes rather than you know five from six so yes it was more accurate and other things that i found were accurate my disney experience doesn't tell you when the fast passes are uh, being distributed for right where lines does so you could look at the app and say you've just got into you know the hollywood studios and there probably aren't any toy story mania fast passes left but yeah. say they were it would tell you on the app just by dropping down when their time were being distributed for so you know right. am i going to be in the park all day is it worth legging it over there to get one probably not because they're nine o'clock at night we're not going to be here my disney experience didn't tell you that it just gave you the wait time okay now, one more uh, piece of technology we haven't mentioned yet is Ustream. Now, you just briefly mentioned something about this with uh, regards to when you're talking to Kez. You used this two or three times on your last trip, didn't you? I do, yeah. I, li- I do like Ustream. I mean, it's, it, the American podcast community seem to use it an awful lot. So, for those of you that don't have it, it's a way that you turn your iPhone or Android phone or whatever smartphone you've got into a live television camera. So you you know you basically go onto Ustream, you press go live, uh, and you can send out a tweet or to your Facebook account saying I'm broadcasting live, and it will broadcast and also simultaneously record up to a server, so not to your phone, mm. what you are seeing, uh, and it's absolutely amazing. I did it uh, the first time I used it was when we were at Fantasyland and we managed to get into the preview of Fantasyland, and I think you were watching Adam. I was showing around the bell. Um, Bell's Maurice's cottage and in the queue and everything like that and I was streaming all of that uh, and that's really good and it is quite interactive because it tells you how many people are watching and the little chat box comes up and you people can ask you questions saying you know who's that what on that bloke's t-shirt over there and you know sort of things like that so that's very very good again though the connection has to be pretty stable for mm. that so it did work okay on Thunder Mountain I wouldn't have tried it on one of the underground rides but the parade would be quite good. You know, you could sit in the parade. Didn't you, you stream the whole of the new Beauty and the Beast? I did. And that worked well? Yeah. So that does work. That's quite interesting. When you say Beauty and the Beast, do you mean the... Story Bell's time with story. Bell. Yeah, that's Bell's story time with Belle. Yeah. You know what I meant. Because the building you go in, Al had perfect Wi-Fi. I mean, had, you know, three bars. All right. Oh, yeah. Excellent. So, uh... Ustream works, touring plans works, Photostream, FaceTime, all the Disney apps. Did you find, and this is one of the things I've noticed more and more as I've been to the parks, that people are starting to use tablets and smartphones, iPads, things like that, to yeah. replace cameras? Yeah, that was weird. 
that that was that was odd, you know. I noticed that quite a lot in Epcot as well, maybe because more people were taking pictures because of Flower and Garden. But there are people getting their iPad out to take photos. Now I, I got an iPad, I love it, but I wouldn't ever take it to a park to use photographs on it. Yeah, it just seems annoying. I mean, cameras I can, you know, iPhones or you know, Android phones or whatever, Blackberries, whatever. Just because it's there, take the photograph, bang. You know, it's a quick photograph. But to me, uh, why would you take an iPad, which is great for taking pictures? Don't get me wrong. But a camera's smaller, you know, less precious if you drop it. You're not going to smash on the floor probably if you drop it. You know, it just seems a bit daft to me, personally. Because I, I witnessed somebody filming the parade on their iPad. Uh, and I thought, that's a really quite big, cumbersome thing to bring to the park. Yeah, okay, it's cool. You can you can do that. Um, but it doesn't kind of replace like the cameras because of the size of it. Now, iPhone 5 has got, what, an 8 megapixel camera on it. Yeah. Um, so we actually, you're looking at a similar resolution to some of the smaller, cheaper cameras. Um, so I'd be tempted to use my phone to take photos or like to, to uh, sort of a cloud and, and do it that way. But I, I don't quite get the iPad thing. No, I mean, we had days when I would go to the park and we would have a bag-free day and I'd just have my phone in my pocket. Yeah. And that was fine. If there was a picture, I'd take it, you know, and so on. But there were other days where I specifically wanted... In fact, we went to Epcot one day and it was too grey that I refused to take pictures, so we left and went to another park because um, I said it wouldn't look nice in the photographs. And that was one of my taking pictures days, so I'd had my camera with me. Yeah. So I don't think I would have taken my iPad. I'd be too, I'd be worried about dropping it, slipping it, damaging it because to me it's not a camera it's you know a, a, a la- mini laptop computer yeah so more than that um what else oh the rf the the, the bands the yeah RF- rfid was the next thing i wanted you to talk about okay. yeah so um obviously rfid is on its way in what experience have you had of it so far well interesting actually we got uh the the, the mickey bands are just coming out now so we didn't have those we got to see them but we didn't have them but we did have our annual passes changed over to rfid passes mm-hmm. uh and that that was really good although interestingly enough so you you go you went to the odyssey center in epcot and they changed over and it was quite nice you got to pick one of the four characters to have your pass and they wrote your name on the back and there was no kind of kerfuffle over it you just got a plastic exactly the same size and thickness as a gift card yeah. card okay so you got that uh, and then they showed you how to go out so you you've probably seen the fit the pictures you've got a mickey head uh, like on a gold little uh, podium yeah. and then next to it you've got a fingerprint printer reader so you just hold your card up to it yeah. very cool it goes into like a, a green swirl gets faster and faster and faster and faster and then as you put your finger on if it all goes correctly it turns blue and goes through so we tried that the cues are brilliant it works a treat one day we thought to ourselves tell you what we'll do let's just see if this fingerprint thing's a bit of a scam we all swapped cards worked perfectly fine i got in with kieran's you know debbie got in without it, so on so to me that they were turning on and off the fingerprint element of it because about three out of the four times we did it we got in by using other people's cards right. uh, the fourth time wouldn't work completely at all had to put the right finger in had to swap cards back right finger in we got in now the other thing as you're doing it there is a cast member standing at the entrance with an iphone and it's obviously got rfid on it because as you go in it comes up with your picture on the iphone as you're going through the park so they know who's got whose card right okay so that was very cool. The other thing that's very cool that when these do come in is wherever you buy stuff now, you know the chip and pin machines you've got here? Yes. They've got a very similar thing there which you're going to be able to use your RFDI card if you have a credit card associated to it or if you've got your Mickey band, tap, pin number, go. Wow. So they've got those. That's good. 
But I did hear rumours that the RFID was interfering with some of the parade equipment. <laughs> you imagine that? Yeah, <laughs> in, an- that in Animal Kingdom, yeah, they're having a problem with the, the 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 wireless things in the Jingle Jangle Parade because it goes quite near the entrance. It was affecting the RFDI receivers, so they were working on that. Oh, so a couple of days the parade wasn't working; it was cancelled. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know anything about that. But the queue's much, you know, faster. I think it was a lot faster. Obviously, it was far a great novelty. Yeah, for people to have. Um, I can just imagine, though, that if you were of a mind, you could probably just bundle through and just leg it into the park. And, you know, if you were, you could get in for nothing. Right. Interesting. Not well, that's, that's not the Disney way, though. So the question no. is, then, you're you're very much, I think, um, Alan, very much sort of on the pulse of Disney tech and that sort of stuff. And I know you were talking about a, a great website that's got a load of stuff on it. Do you want to just quickly mention what that is? Um, what the website is or what the stuff is? Well, the website and everything, both, yeah. <clears throat> right, okay, well, the website that I've sort of visited sort of for a couple of years now is um, dizfanatic.com, and that's D-I-Z-fanatic.com. And th- they sort of featured the next-generation RFID bands probably about two years ago. And they managed to get hold of some concept art showing different pe- bits and pieces. And the concept art is all the stuff that is coming into play now, including the Pirates um, Adventure game that's going around. Mm. And is that now f- finished, being built? Yeah, no, the, the Pirates Adventure game is now open. Um, so th- things like that, which was just sort of like a crazy cartoon picture yeah. two years ago, is now actually happening. So you can see things like um, Source of the Magic Kingdom has a concept art in this article that's yeah. on disfanatic.com. And they show the the scanners and all this sort of stuff. But one of the things that they do have on here, which I haven't seen implemented yet, is personalised birthday things. Yeah, well, now we've mentioned this before. We have mentioned this in the past, this idea that there being a kind of a birthday, where there are things appear and say happy birthday to you and all that sort of stuff. Um, and also another thing that they've got in here is... A th- and I think Disney have got a patent on this. It's um, called the the Disney Eye Cake. Now, bear with me. This sounds stupid. Yeah, it does. Go on. But, you know, Disney are doing a lot of um, projection technology at the moment. Yeah. Well, the idea is that you'll be able to buy a cake that has projection technology on it. Not in it, because that would taste horrible. <laughs> but, for example, you could go in and you say to the person at the front desk, oh, yes, my son's birthday, and they go, oh, yeah, well what's his favourite character or um, I don't know what's his name how old is he yeah. and almost instantly you've got a personalised cake that gets put on your table and the projection technology sort of creates it into something a bit more interesting it could be animated it could be just personalised essentially you're eating white cake though so essentially it will kind of yeah uh, it's going to taste the same as every other bit of cake yeah. but it's it's an interesting concept because the, the projector technology that they're using is absolutely amazing. Mm. It, it looks as though sort of the ink is dripping off the models that they're using. It's, it's mm. sort of amazing. Again, it's quite interesting. I quite like the sound of that. Right, well, that's all the time we've got for Diz Tech. I can't believe we've actually been talking nearly half an hour about Diz Technology, but there's a massive change, and it's going to make much, such a massive difference, I think, to people when they go to the parks. Um, if you've got any opinions, anything you want to say about that, you can, of course, email us, radio at disneybrit.com. You can uh, get hold of us on Twitter, which is at 
Disney Brit and of course go over to facebook.com forward slash Disney Brit podcast and you can find out all the information uh, that we've been talking about and of course um, you can give us your own opinion we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we are going to uh, we're going to tease you with a little bit of chocolate souffle Want to keep up to date with all the latest Disney news and rumors? Then make sure to check out www.disneybrit.com, your number one source for the magical world of Disney. We have visual contact. Go, go, go! Make way for the big howdy, partners. Climb aboard. Carnivores versus pork bellies. You're on, old school. Your mission, get there. The all-new attraction, Toy Story Mania. It's 4D, which is one better than 3D. Oh, security. Oh. Hey, works every time. Now at Disney's Hollywood Studios. <laughs> Hi, guys. Uh, this is your friend here and pal, Mickey Mouse. And I just want you to know that I listen to and love the Disney Brit podcast. Make sure y'all listen to, okay? See y'all real soon. Anyway, hope you're all sorted now. Oh, hey, yeah, that's the end of the message. Bye-bye! And now... The show that has the whole town cooking. Veggie fruit, fruit, veggie, veggie fruit, fruit. Veggie fruit, fruit, veggie, veggie fruit. I simply have to tell you that, my friends, who are... It is part three of our cooking disaster. Not cooking disaster, that's a lie. Uh, we're cooking in the kitchen still, um, and so far we've brought to you uh, the main courses that we did, which was the Anna Potatoes and the Meatloaf. The meatloaf from the 50s Primetime Diner and the Anna Potatoes from the Concourse Restaurant in the Contemporary. We've eaten those. What do we think? Delicious. They were pretty good, actually. I thought that the meatloaf was going to be quite dry because the way that it bubbled up and looked yeah. a bit toasty. Coloured with colour. But no, that was very moist. Um, and the potatoes, I also felt it was going to be a bit like a big We were slightly concerned, weren't we? Because there wasn't much liquid in there and we thought that there was a possibility that it could be a little bit dry. Turned out that there was plenty of butter in there which soaked through the potatoes and made it very moist. It was, it was very nice. And they actually went very well together. Which we were really surprised at as well. Um, so we made both of those. You go over to DisneyBrit.com. You can see the photos of the finished products. They don't look anything like you probably get them served in Disney. But they tasted all right. And we're now going on to the real challenge. Now, as we've said, and I think, Alan, you want to sort of explain why we're doing all this? Um, because we want some pudding. We want to do this because we want some pudding, yes. Uh, but there's another reason why we're doing this. Yeah, we're, we're building up on our website a lot of the food-related stuff on our on um, how to cook stuff at Disney and uh, basically we, we like to do a bit of experimentation and I think that if I shared some recipes that you can get from the parks and this one's not from the parks but the cruise line yes I think it adds another dimension to it not just doing Disney news and um, interviews it, it adds another element so this, this souffle will be a 
nice treat. There you go, you just explained exactly what we're doing. We're going to try what is basically the hardest one we've done so far. Um, we're going to have a go at the very famous soufflés as found in Paolo's on the Disney cruise ship. Now, if you've never tried the soufflés before, they are truly amazing. As to whether ours will be either truly amazing or look anything like soufflés by the time we've finished, I don't know. We're certainly going to give it a really good try. Um, One thing that we're not found from doing these recipes is that generally, as a rule, you, you would half the quantities because you make twice as much as yes. you need. But I think with these soufflés, as it's supposed to serve six, I would like to eat two. So we're going to serve six. But the um, the meatloaf we've just done, uh, we had two loaves, really. Yeah. One of them served four of us. The other one, I think, would probably easily have served another four. So yeah. it did say six to eight people, I think. So that was about right. Yeah, um, yeah. It was eight serving, so yeah, it was about right. Um, whereas the souffle would be the same. Uh, and I would guess... Um, I'm sure it'll taste about the same as well. So, first thing we need to do, apparently, is preheat the oven to 180 degrees Fahrenheit. There we go. That's degrees Fahrenheit, which works out at about 350 Celsius. Also says we need to set a kettle of water to boil, but I won't do that now, because if I do, we won't hear anything for the rest of this particular section. What are you looking for, Alan? I'm looking for a whisk. You're looking for a whisk. Okay, so one in here. <coughs> no. Right, okay, so what we need to do is uh, preheat the oven, which we've done, and then um, what it has to do is to butter six four-ounce souffle cups and coat them with sugar. Now, we've done that already. They're sat here. Just basically just uh, smear the butter on the inside, and then just put some sugar in swirled it around the inside, passed it onto the next one, did it that way. But the ingredients you need for the chocolate souffle are as follows. Three tablespoons of butter, plus a bit more for the grease in the cups. Uh, six tablespoons of sugar, which sounds like a lot of sugar, and it genuinely is a lot of sugar, but that's what kind of makes it all the consistency of the souffle. One cup of milk, three tablespoons of all-purpose flour, which is basically plain flour to me and you. Three tablespoons of Dutch processed cocoa. Now, Dutch processed cocoa is one that's very, very interesting. Um, we were looking, we, we spent a while, didn't we, <laughs> yes. in uh, Sainsbury's looking for it. And uh, the one that we found that really is um, Dutch processed is the Green and Black's organic cocoa. Uh, basically, from our investigations, we found that so there's one ingredient that really makes it... Potassium carbonate. There we go, potassium carbonate. So if you've got potassium carbonate in your cocoa, then that means it's Dutch processed because they don't really say do they on the actual packages. Um, there's also two ounces of sweet, semi-sweet or bittersweet chocolate. What we've gone for is, again, green and blacks, we've gone for some dark cooking chocolate. When it says uh, two ounces, about two-thirds of a cup, it's around sort of 50 or so grams of chocolate. Bars can about 150 grams, so it's about a third of a, a bar of chocolate. You then need four eggs separated, and then as well as that, you're going to get a vanilla sauce, which we'll come on to a little bit later. So... Let's follow the instructions to see what it says. So it says, butter the six four-ounce cups, which we've done. Uh, it says, bring to the milk to the boil in a small saucepan. So we've got one cup of milk. And this is the first time today we're actually going to use the hob. And uh, we're going to put that one cup of milk in. And there's not a massive amount of milk, so we've got to keep an eye on that as that comes to the boil. Okay? While we're doing that, it also tells us to melt the butter in a medium saucepan over medium heat, which we're going to do now, because that's already in. And that's... Um, three tablespoons of butter, which are going to go in there, and you need to let that melt. And once that's melted, you need to add your flour and your cocoa to the butter, and it's beat with a whisk until a smooth paste-like consistency. Now, I don't believe we have a whisk. You've got a hand whisk. That I suppose we'll do, to start off with. Well, then we've got a whisk. 
they don't have scales, but they did have ramekin dishes for uh, for this, which is perfect, so that's good. Uh, it doesn't look like we've got a whisk, so we're just going to keep an eye on the butter. You could fork it. Yeah, that's a good point. But the butter's about done, so we can switch that off, okay? Now, what it asks us to do next, once we've done that, is to um, whisk in the flour and the cocoa. What I've done is I've measured out the flour and the cocoa. That um, works out as three tablespoons of flour and three tablespoons of cocoa. I've put them both into the same cup, because that should hopefully help us when it comes to mixing the flour. So we haven't got a whisk, sadly. So I'm just going to use it. That is absolutely Don't worry about that. So that is about mixed in, I think. I'm ready to go. Chocolate on the other hand is taking a little bit longer. It hasn't got underneath. Underneath. It's starting to boil, so it's getting there. And then what it asks us to do is it asks you to add the hot milk to what we've basically done so far. And uh, it's supposed to mix these two. Now we've got the eggs, um, the egg whites frothed up. 
we need to slowly add a tablespoon at a time of sugar until basically they're quite stiff peaks. Right, 
right, they should hurt. Take about 20 they, minutes. They should hurt. They, it shouldn't hurt as much as my fingers do now. Um, they should last take about 20 minutes in which to cook. I'll just clear up the water so that's on the floor. So while that's cooking, what you need to now do is think about your vanilla sauce. Uh, your vanilla sauce uh, needs to be cooking at the time this lot is cooking. And it's very, very simple. It is. One and a quarter cups of heavy cream. A quarter of a vanilla bean. We're going to try something slightly different. One of the things you'll find is vanilla bean is very, very expensive. So we've got some Madagascan vanilla extract and we're going to give that a go instead. Uh, so we need to bring the cream and the vanilla bean to a low boil. Okay, so it says heavy cream. Now, we don't have heavy cream, so to speak. We have double cream. So we're going to be using double cream for this. So, it's one and a quarter cups of heavy cream. So, one cup. One of the things about using vanilla plus is that you would scrape in, usually, the vanilla seeds for the simple pod. Yeah. And apparently, which we haven't opted for, but you can get the vanilla extract with the seeds in. Yeah. So if it was for the, just the visual thing, you could do it that way. Yeah, but we're not going to do it. We're just going for the taste. We're just going for the taste. So one and a quarter, is it one and a quarter? It is one and a quarter. One and a quarter heavy so cream. Put that one there. In it goes. That is quite heavy, that cream. That's quite a lot of cream there. So in goes our cream. You have to lick your fingers or something. And um, it says a quarter of a vanilla bean. Um, Disneyrip.com. 
should be able to get some idea of what the soup phase of the starter to rise look like. Vanilla, vanilla, vanilla boiling. That's starting to boil, right? What we need to do then is we just need to add a couple of tablespoons of uh, this to our mixture of egg yolks and sugar, and then we give that a mix, and then we basically pour that back in. So, just a couple of tablespoons. There's one and two. We've just put that back into a low boil. Give that a mix. Now, bring that down to a really low boil. So we need to a low heat on that. To a low heat, and basically for the next three or four minutes, you've got to stir. Excellent. So all you've got to do is just keep stirring. It is actually quite nice, slow stir. Yeah. There is a yellowness. There's a really. slight yellowness to it, which is good. Now this is slightly different to a custard. It's a vanilla sauce. So just to remind you, it's a quarter, one and a quarter cups of heavy cream, a quarter of vanilla bean, uh, three tablespoons of sugar, and two small egg yolks. Now this will boil away for the next two or three minutes. And then what we'll be able to do with that is pour that into some sort of pouring jug and leave it to rest for a few minutes while the souffles continue to rise. Now the important thing about the souffles is as soon as they are done, that you take them straight out of the oven, they're transferred to a plate, they're taken straight in and served. If you leave them, they will sink. They will sink straight down. So you need to make sure that they are um, well and truly cooked and that they're taken straight out to serve. This is one of the reasons why we've kind of done this separately to the main courses, because it meant we had plenty of time to make sure the desserts worked. So, if you want to go over to DisneyBrit.com, you'll be able to find the finished souffles with their chocolate sauce, with their soy, uh, vanilla sauce, and uh, you'll be able to enjoy having a go yourself. You will find all the recipes over on DisneyBrit.com. With English conversions. With English conversions, so you won't have to worry about cups and all this sort of stuff, so if you need to know what exactly it is, you can do that. And uh, you'll find the photos over there as well. If you've tried any of the recipes we've showed you over the past few weeks, whether it be the meatloaf, the Anne's potatoes, or the chocolate souffle, do make sure you send us a photo of them so we can stick them up on the website and see what your version of those look like. That's it. That's the end of the show. We've uh, got through a whole hour once again talking about Disney technology and Disney food. So technology and food, probably two of our favourite things in the whole wide world. So uh, thank you for joining us. Um, we managed to get that souffle done eventually, didn't we? Um, yeah, it was a lot of work. <laughs> and never before have we had to go and borrow a neighbour's whisk. Just and the best bit about it was we were in Yorkshire, or the county of Yorkshire, and the guy couldn't make his Yorkshire puddings for the next day. No, we'd, we'd still got his whisk. <laughs> But uh, he was fine. He didn't mind, really, honestly. But uh, thank you for joining me, Alan. No problem, anytime. Thank you for joining us, Craig. Oh, that's all right, no problem at all. It's nice to have you back. Maybe you should come on more often. Yeah, maybe not. That's all I'm saying. But, okay. <laughs> one day, one day. One day. Uh, but, uh, of course, if you want to get in contact with us before and again in a couple of weeks' time, then you can get in contact with us by going over to Facebook, DisneyBrit.com forward slash uh, 
forward slash Disney Brit podcast. Get that right. You can contact us on Twitter, which is at Disney Brit. And also you can email us radio at Disney Brit.com. We want to hear anything, even if it's to do with your attempts at making chocolate souffle or whether or not you've uh, got something you want to say with regards to Disney technology in the parks and all that sort of stuff. We want to hear from you. So, uh, Next Monday, if you join us, we will be uh, doing some more Disney Island discs. And then the following week, we'll be back with Disney Brit. So thank you once again for joining us. And until then, we'll see you.